0: Our scripture readings today come from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, and one verse from the book of James, chapter 1. Hear now the word of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you wake up. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. And from the book of James. You must understand this, my friends. Let everyone be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This is the Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we continue our series, Becoming Like Children, based on that verse, Jesus says, unless you become like children, you shall never receive the kingdom. Today we're talking about a very simple lesson children learn. Listen before you speak. It's simple advice. And these two verses both have listening at the heart of them, but it's all over the Bible. Especially, especially the book of Proverbs. And Proverbs is a book in the Bible dedicated to common sense wisdom. If you're that kind of person, Proverbs is the book for you. How these simple things we do or don't do affect our lives, at its heart, Proverbs is obsessed with the difference between what makes someone wise and what makes someone a fool. It uses the words wise and fool again and again. A wise person does this, but a fool does that. And one strain in it. A wise of heart will obey commandments, but the babbling fool will come to ruin. The wise lay up knowledge, but the babbling fool brings ruin near. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to advice. Proverbs just hammers at what makes you a fool, and it's never complicated. And at the heart of being a fool is refusing to listen. When I graduated high school, my dad was working in sales at a steel processing plant, so he helped me get a job working out uh, in the warehouse for the summer. At the bottom of the food chain, my official job title was Shop Helper. And we'd get these big coils of steel in, and they'd weigh 20 or 30 tons, and they'd bring them in on a crane, and this machine would take the coil, and it would cut it into long uh, slabs of steel however long they needed and however many the customer had ordered and they'd get stacked up and then someone would pick them up with a crane and put them on a wood pallet and they'd attach them to the wood pallet and then move them over to a truck and at first my job was just to build the wood pallets I'd cut the boards to the right size the long runner boards and then the boards to go on top and I'd nail them into place over and over again for 8 hours or 10 hours however long and when I started, I was so intent on proving myself. I'd set out to do everything perfect. I'd get my tape measure, and I'd measure this way, measure that way, get the board perfectly square, nail it in place. I would only had time to take a 10-minute lunch break because I was running so far behind on those pallets. And about the third day, Martine, one of the hardest workers I ever met with forearms that were... It looked like a calf on his arm, a calf muscle. It was... He came up to me and said, You're too slow. You have to do it like this. I've never seen someone build something that fast. But he just threw them all in place, nailed them all on, and then he told me, Part of your job is actually to help me with the crane, but you're so slow that I'm having to do half of your job and all of my job. (laughs) And at first I took that really personally. I felt like he was insulting my work ethic. Didn't he see that I was only taking a 10-minute lunch break? Didn't he realize how perfectly square my wood pallets were? My ego stepped in between me and wisdom. And for the remainder of the day, I was a fool. I was more intent on being right than actually doing the thing right. But that night I kept thinking about it, I kept thinking about it. It had been embarrassing to be confronted like that. But I took his advice and I actually began copying whatever Martin did. I grabbed the crane the way he did as he lowered it into place and I nailed the one side of the pallet and then the other side and I carried a knife with me in my side pocket for cutting string and paper. And by the time I left at the end of the summer, they said, we're surprised to be saying this, but if you want to come back next summer, you're more than welcome. (laughs) This contrast is at the heart of Proverbs. The fool doesn't want to learn because they think they're already right. I'm going to read another one of these to you and just see if you can think of anyone like this. Maybe someone you've seen on the television. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing personal opinion. I mean, come on. If you can't think of someone, you don't watch the news, right? I can't tell you the last time I saw an actual conversation on TV. Just a group of people expressing their opinion, never listening, waiting till that person pauses long enough to jump in. And this has trickled down to too many of our conversations too. We don't converse. We wait for a turn to talk. We don't listen. And it's an epidemic. Because everyone is sure they're right before the conversation starts. And they're just waiting for an opportunity to show the other person why that belief is so foolish. But for Proverbs, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing personal opinion. A belief doesn't make you foolish. Not listening makes you foolish. I was at an art museum in the modern art section. Some of you would say that's not art. Sometimes I agree. And there were these paintings, you know, with the dots or the streaks of color and paintings. Some of them look childish. And I was staring at this piece and it had grabbed a hold of me. It just reached out off the wall and it grabbed me. And I can't describe it. It was the way the colors were splattered and the smears, the emotion of it was so real. I still think about it. I still picture it. It was like someone said, that place you've been, that thing you felt, I felt that too. And I was just standing and staring at it. And this couple walked up next to me, and I heard this gentleman say, Can you believe anyone considers this garbage art? It doesn't look like anything. What a joke. And he angrily walked off. I'll acknowledge there's plenty of modern art I don't care for or understand. Plenty that looks like someone (laughs) needs actual painting lessons. And there's plenty of old art I don't care for too, but this piece that had grabbed me, and he never gave it a chance. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing personal opinion. He was so sure this piece was garbage that he didn't give it a chance. It it didn't look like something to him. It looked, but to me, it looked like somewhere I had been. The painting looks like when you're worn out and feels like you're getting hammered from every side but somehow in the middle of it you're totally at peace. And that painting said I've been there. I know what that feels like too. And I saw that painting and it gave me that peace, that peace again. And he totally missed it. Listen before you speak. It's so simple. It's that simple. But it's also hard. My wife will tell you how much I struggle with it. I have thoughts on just about everything. Opinions about just about everything. And I'm often quick to share them and I generally share them with footnotes and cross-references. And she'll say something and I'll start saying, you know, that sounds a lot like this person who wrote on this subject and it connects with this person and I'll lay out their arguments and she'll say, no, I think you're not listening because that's not what I was saying. That's what you were thinking. And then she'll explain it again and she thinks totally different than I do. And when I finally stop talking and start listening, when I finally stop talking and I ask some questions, she'll be making this point from a different direction than I even realized existed. Kids are not always better at listening than adults. Sometimes they struggle to sit still. Sometimes you have to repeat yourself but they're so relentlessly curious about the world. They're learning and exploring and asking, and they ask questions from a perspective you didn't even realize existed. They'll ask, but why? And you answer, and they say, but why? And you answer, and they say, but why? Until you realize you're not sure. And in that moment, there are two ways to react. The first is sometimes correct, because it is. (laughs) But other times... The way we should react is to imitate them. I'm not sure. Why? Because a fool doesn't listen. A fool doesn't learn. A fool isn't curious. They think they're right from the beginning. But those who are wise are curious and they ask, but why? Our first passage today, it's called the Shema. And it has a special name because... For most Jews, it's the most important verse in the Bible. Jesus agreed. He quotes it as the most important command. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And it starts with listening. Listen. Hear. Listen. Obey. Listen. Listen. Have you ever watched when a kid becomes obsessed with something new? For me this was dinosaurs. All of a sudden the child is asking for dinosaurs for everything. Birthday, I would like dinosaurs. Christmas, dinosaurs. Birthday party, dinosaurs. With their allowance money, dinosaurs. Reading books on dinosaurs, watching movies about dinosaurs, talking about dinosaurs. This new thing opened up to them and it's so interesting, so cool, so exciting. How could they possibly talk about anything else? They're immersed in it, and before you know it, you know more about dinosaurs than you ever intended to, just by proximity. How often do we feel that way about God? About His commandments? So interested in what God would recommend that we just can't stop listening for His advice or talking about what we've heard. Because that's this passage from Deuteronomy. It starts with listen, listen, pay attention. Our God is the Lord, the Lord, the King of heaven and earth, the almighty, the savior of the world. He is wisdom itself. So listen. And what comes next? It's childlike. It's a child's response to something new and exciting. Love it with everything. Keep these words in your heart, recite them to those you love, talk about it when you're at home and when you're away, when you wake up and when you go to sleep. Write them on your hand, attach them to your forehead, write them on your doorpost. Listen and love God with everything so that even those in proximity will see the love of God. If you drive around town, you will also notice that it is that time of year. Many people have the American flag on front of their house, but many others, and for some just as important, have started putting out Alabama or Auburn or Tennessee or LSU flags because it is football season. And we mark our doors with our allegiance to our team. And some front doors have the letter of your last name or the initials, beautiful scripted letters out of wood and painted white, T for tank. This is where I'd like to make a joke that I didn't realize once I crossed the Mason-Dixon, everything would be monogrammed. <laughs> Tumblers and totes and purses and napkins and towels and shirts and houses. Everything is monograms. We mark our door frames with the things we care about, country, football, family, and that's good. And the Israelites have an addition for us. They mark their door frames with the Shema with this verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. Just to make sure everyone knew their allegiance. But also, when you put it on your doorframe, every time you leave, you are reminded, I don't walk by my way, I walk by God's. And every time you come home, whatever stress the world gave you, you are reminded again, I don't walk by my own understanding, I walk by God's. I listen first. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Shouldn't that be on our doorposts? So as we leave home and as we return, we remember that we don't walk by our own understanding. We listen first and God speaks. He guides us. He leads us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And recite these words to your children, to the children around you, bind them on your hand, fix them on your forehead, and write them on your doorposts, so you never forget. Will you pray with me? Lord, this morning we confess we listen too little. Our minds are busy and racing with what comes next, what we need to do with what other people are thinking. And too little we listen for you. We are listening now. We ask that you would speak. Because we, your people, O God, are listening. Amen.